Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Pat. In your time. You know, a lot of times we, as parents and grandparents, that can foresee the events of our day and the agenda of this world and so much that is that is coming uh, through the pipeline, if you want to say, with so many things. You think about your grandkids and what they're going to be bombarded with and inundated with. It's more than ever uh, of, of how diligent we need to be uh, to plant good seed and pray for a good noble heart that God does a work within them so that we can plant the right seed in them. And at the same time, always remember this, is that it is in his time. And Acts chapter 17, the Bible teaches us that God pre-appoints our times and pre-appoints our dwellings. So God is still God. And he's still going to be God over those little ones in this age and days we live in. It's not by accident uh, that they are where they are and they will be where they will be. Uh, Acts 17 is one of those that just gives us great assurance of, of the divine work of God through history, of his purpose in that work, and the fact that God has predetermined beforehand our dwellings and our appointed times. So none of us are here by accident. Amen. None of us were born by accident. Born where we were born by accident. And the purpose for that was not accidental either. So we can rest in that as Hebrews 11 would help us with. You know, Hebrews 11 says that we believe by faith the worlds were framed by the spoken word of God. We know that God created the world we live in. Uh, the cosmos is, is what we, how the scriptures would describe the world we live in. The order of the uh, planet, the globe, the universe, the stars, the moon, all that was created in those first five days. What did God create on the sixth day? Man. Created man. He created man after what? All his work were done. And what was man's first day? A rest, wasn't it? Isn't that, when you think about it, God created it all in order for us to be able to live on this planet, created us on the sixth day, and on the seventh day, it was a what? A day of rest. A day of rest. Which reminds us again that we rest in his work. We rest in the order of his work. That his work is good. God saw all things that it was what? Good. And he was pleased with it. See, when we rest in it, but when we get our hands involved in it and we start try to manipulate it, it just creates trouble. But we can rest in, in him. But that passage in Hebrews 11 is not talking about this world. It's talking about, it uses the word of eons or the ages. That God spoke the ages into existence by the spoken word. And therefore, as the psalmist teaches us, we therefore can rejoice and be glad in the day because God framed it. 
in God found. Not only did he give us air to breathe, life to live, but he created the times that we live in right now, in his time. So these little ones that are in here tonight, these little ones that were here this morning, uh, it wasn't by accident that they've come on the scene when God's brought them here. And he's got a plan, and he's going to work it out. Now it's up to us to what? Plant those seeds. To plant those seeds. To give them something to uh, look at. There's a great psalm. Go to Psalm 90, I believe it is. Psalm 90. This is a great prayer for us as parents and grandparents. It's something that we want to ask the Lord for. I think it's Psalm 90. It's Moses. In the close of it, in light of these revelations, and and it just carries over into what we talked about this morning about this work. Remember, they, they went because they were sent. And because they went where they were sent, they found it as he meant it to be. And in Psalm 90, look in verse number 13. Return, O Lord, how long, and have compassion on your servants. O satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad, what? All our days. Our rejoicing and our gladness is going to be intimately connected with the mercy of God. The more we recognize and can see the light of his mercy, the more gladness and rejoicing that will overflow out of our life. And God's mercy is tied to himself. It's tied to his doings, his ways, his compassion. It's the thing that we wait upon. As the scripture says, what does a man that fears God? The man that fears God waits upon the mercy of the Lord. Because you know God's faithful. He's he's long-suffering. He's lovingly kind. He's steadfast and loyal. So you wait. And in the waiting, you're rejoicing. No different than, remember, when King Jehoshaphat was told by the Lord to go out. And he said, put the choir out in front of the army. And he told them to sing this song, that God is merciful. Sing of the mercies of God. He said, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And he gave them a song to sing. We'll look at that in a moment in connection with our rejoicing and his everlasting mercy. So he says, verse 15, make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, troubled us, the years in which we have seen evil. Notice what verse 16 says. Here's here's the, the, the prayer I'm talking about. Let your work, God, let your business, let it appear, let it be unveiled to your servants and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. That's just a prayer saying, God, we need you to Lead us, guide us, show us your grace, establish your business and your glory in our lives so that our children can see it. Our children need to see his business, his work, 
and His glory in us. We manifest that before them. They need it desperately uh, in in the days ahead. And that's one of the things that that I believe we need to uh, be fully aware of. This is one of those I, I would I would write down somewhere in your Bible, maybe in the front of it. Just say a prayer to pray as a father, as a mother, as a grandparent, as a leader, that that I can continue to remind myself to ask God to manifest His work and His glory in to me and then through me that my children can see His glory in His work in my life. We want them to see His glory. Amen. Amen. It's essential. It's, it's essential. So uh, that, that's just a great thought knowing that, hey, God has brought Palmer Lee into this world at this time and He's still upon His throne. And he has a purpose for it. And he's going to see it through. He's already proven himself time and time again of just how good and faithful he really is. Now, go over to Second Chronicles 20. Second Chronicles 20. Talking about that work, as we mentioned this morning, you see a lot of the reasons I, I talked about how for the last five, six weeks, whatever it's been, <laughs> Nobody encountered me in any kind of way uh, to help show me Jesus, to see the glory of the Lord Jesus upon them. And if, if that be the case, I'm willing to say that that glory and the business of the Lord is not being manifested in these folks' families either. So if, if the kids can't see it, they'll never walk in it. They've got to be able to see that beauty of the work of the Lord upon mom and dad or upon a grandparent, upon somebody else uh, around them uh, so that they can see that glory. And that's something that we want to ask the Lord to do for. So Second Chronicles 20, great uh, message for us that you could always revert back to and think about what happened was the armies of the Lord, the people of God were being tested uh, by the Lord, they're doing great things. Jehoshaphat, the king, has got himself right with God. He's doing the right thing. And as soon as you get right with the Lord, you know, I mentioned this morning, what are some of those things God's going to cause us to draw near to him on? What? Our trust in his trustworthiness. If it's not that we trust in him, God's going to use trials and troubles to do what? To bring us back to him. Or he's going to use those tests in our life so that we can lean in on him. Those lean times, those hard times uh, that you face on the job, with family, within communities, within a nation. All those things are designed by God to what? Bring us near. To draw us to himself. To help us with it. That's like on the football field, a coach. He's going to put them boys to the test. He's going to test them. And he's going to see what they can handle. And if they can't figure it out, they're going to stay a little bit longer after practice and say, can you work with me? I'm having trouble with this. A good student is going to say to the teacher, I need help with this. Can you help me? And what is it? It's drawing you closer so that you can learn something. It's not to hurt you. It's not to harm you. It's to reveal uh, something out of you. And that was going on in this day. And King Jehoshaphat had three armies 25 miles from him. So you say three armies right now. If you could imagine this, let's just say they had um, Iran, Iraq, and Saudi Arabia was sitting 
their nation's army was sitting in scuba right now on us. Think about it. That's what it would be like. Three nations gathered together to destroy Judah. And when he heard it, what did he do? He went and said, God, remember what you've done in the past. And he just walked through. And in his prayer, he just was asking God to remember of his faithfulness. Remember his mercy. Remember these things. And he admitted, if you would, in verse number 12, he said, God, will you not do something? Will you not judge them? For we... Have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are what? Oh man. If that ain't the solution to all solutions. What is, is there any other solution? It's just being honest. We don't have what it takes. We don't know what it takes. But our eyes are fixed on you. Help us. Scripture says... The Spirit of the Lord came upon a prophet, told him what to do. He proclaims that. Verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Remember, God's work is a complete work. Position yourselves, stand still, and see in advance the salvation of the Lord. Just like Keith had to see that orange bucket. Sitting on that table in that room this morning. He had to see it before he went to get it. Saw it in his mind. I painted the picture. He grabbed it. He trusted me. Believed what I was telling him. And he went and got it. And it was there when he got there. And he brought it back in. That's as, as simple as taking God at his word. Trusting him. Believing what he says. And acting in faith upon it. See but you gotta be within proximity. You gotta, if Keith wasn't here this morning, I could have never asked him to go get that bucket and bring it back. Couldn't, couldn't do it. He wasn't here. Just like if I'm not within proximity of hearing from God, I won't be doing anything God would actually have intention for me to do because I'm not hearing from him because I'm not in position to hear from him. Are you with me? So, he says, do not fear, verse 17, about middle way down, do not fear or be dismayed. Why? Because that's the natural thing. The natural thing is, we got three armies. God's telling us he's going to fight this and we're not going to have to fight. The natural inclinations of what the eyes see is saying what? Fear. But God, in his compassion, in his mercy, he says, do not fear, be dismayed. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face toward the ground. This is verse 18. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord and they worshipped him. They didn't run. They didn't fret. This is a divine moment here. They all in position, listening, hearing, trusting. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. There's something stirring within them. I mean, they got an army 25 miles away. They didn't know what to do. Now God's given them light on this thing, and this light's not being distorted. They can see it, and they can't help but, but go into praise and start giving God glory because God's fixing to do something. Amen. And there's a stirring in that. They know. Verse 20 
So they rose early in the morning and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, that is, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army. For they were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy, what? And that's all they said, Joanne, the whole time as they marched. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now when they begin to sing and to praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, that would be Edom, who had come up against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Edom, Mount Seir, to utterly kill and destroy them. They all turned on one another. Now who did that? God did that. They turned on one another. You see, the enemy will rise up and they will confront you. But when we wait upon the Lord and give God glory and just trust what he gives, God works these things out and the scriptures tell us there was a great victory. When they got there, they didn't have to throw the first sword. They didn't have to throw the first spear, use the first sword. The battle was won. It was done. They didn't have to fight the first thing. The fight was in faith. That's where the fight was at. The fight of faith, trust in God, believe in God. And I've got a couple little notes here in my scripture. If you go back to verse number 20, when it says that you inhabitants of Jerusalem believe in the Lord, that is, you render him faithful. To believe in him is rendering him faithful, believing he is faithful. He will do what he will do. Your, you shall be established. Now here's the thing. The word established is the same exact word believe. This is the point. When you render him faithful, you know what he does? He renders you faithful. When you trust him, he entrusts what he gave you to you and he's going to do something in you and through you. And that's exactly what happens. You get, you get connected. When you're connected with him, that belief you had in him in turn renders you now faithful to him. That's that establishment. You rendered him faithful. Now you are faithful to him in what you believed and you start marching, anticipating him to fight the battle for you. Amen. And that's what God did in this. The words that we see here, uh, if you believe him, his prophets, that's simply saying believe the message he gave you. You shall prosper. The word prosper there means you shall push through. You shall push through what? The fears. You shall push through the despair. You shall uh, push through anything that's coming against you because you rendered him faithful. You will render yourself faithful to him and you will push through all opposition that gets in the way. And that's where the prosperity is at, being able to push through. Being able to just simply push through and you can't help but praise him amen? amen you see so it's in that mercy that we get to rejoice and praise and give glory to 
the Lord. And, and it just is simple as me sharing with Keith and Sandy and Lucas and Danny. They simply, when I spoke what I spoke to them, they, the, everybody sitting in here heard what I said and you began visualizing it yourself. You began looking, you could see those that listened. Now, there might have been some in here kind of had me tuned out, didn't, wasn't paying attention, and they would have missed it. But when I said, Keith, I need you to do something, and I started talking about Brother Shannon started visualizing that orange bucket on that table in that Sunday school classroom. Amen. And that's really what, when you get in the Word, that's what you're saying, Lord, let me see what you see. That I can see it just, you are trustworthy. I believe you and I can see it and therefore I'm going to do, I'm going to go to where uh, you send me. And for an example, if I was to say to Brother Shannon, okay, Brother Shannon, would you do this for me? Would you go to back to the men's bathroom and take the toilet up out of the um, floor and bring that in here for me? Uh. If you asked me, I would, I would go do what I could. Well, you see, I wouldn't just send you in there empty-handed. No. Look, I brought you some tools. Yeah, I got you. You, you can take, I you can, you you can cut the water supply off. You got a big enough hammer. I was you, oh, you, you. I break it up. We ain't now, you see, you taking things in your own hands. Wow. I just asked you to remove it and bring it in. I didn't tell you to beat it apart. You see, that'd be like somebody saying, I don't, want to, I don't want to do this job, so I'm just going to beat the people up when God sends them to me. Are you with me? If, if God asked me to do plumbing, I will. <laughs> I know. That's why I used you. <laughs> but Shannon, he don't touch plumbing. He don't even like turning the valve off. Yeah. I don't touch plumbing for no man. Look. But I will touch plumbing for God. Yeah. Brother Shannon says, if I turn the valve off, it's going to leak. So he, he don't he don't fool with. It. I understand. He messed with Christopher one time and he threw a wrench or something at yeah. Christopher. Oh. He backed off. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, he said all God do is ask Christopher one more hand turn. Yeah. And, and, that, and he'll know he'll, he'll say, know what he'll it tell is. You the whole story. Yeah. But you see, when I was asking you to do that, Keith was thinking about it. Well, how's he gonna get that toilet out? He'd have to yeah, that, that's a job. You know, if I was just to say go do that but didn't give you anything, that would put you in a position, for an example, to do something. It's not impossible, but let's use it as that. You see, the thing God gives us to do in this work of the kingdom, this business of the kingdom, is impossible for us to do without the right tools. Come on. And that's where the spirit comes involved. That's where the revelation of the truth, the message of the gospel, that is the... Uh, power of God on the salvation. In it is the righteousness of God is revealed. So God equips us. And he is the one who is able to get it done. Yeah. We're just the vessel that he works through to get it done. But he equips us with the proper tools. I wouldn't ask you to go pull that, that camo out if I didn't give you tools to go ahead and do it. A pipe wrench, crescent wrench, some pliers. Just to get it out. Didn't ask you to repair it. Didn't ask you to put anything else back in. Just remove one. And we'd get somebody else to do something else. But you still need the tools to be able to do it. Of course, you, you could probably get it done uh, just manual labor. But you're probably going to tear something up, possibly. Or you can't get something 
off. It's been in there for a while. Uh, those 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 nuts on some of the that uh, tubing is going to be kind of hard to get off of there. Just you will need you will need something a wrench of some sort to be able to get it off. So if I was to ask you to do something, it would be only be right for me to give you the tools to get that job done, and that's exactly what happens here. The word he gives us is what authorizes us to do it, yeah. and then he enables us. Uh, with him, with the power of himself through the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish anything he asks us to do. We simply are tuned in. We're listening. We see in what he's telling us to do by faith. He's trustworthy. We believe him. And then we step out and do it. That's is what Jehoshaphat did. And it did something in them. Here, here's a group of people, when they got the word of it, they were shaken by it. Immediately they were shaken. And you would be too. I would be. All of us are. That's a natural response. But what do we do with being shaken? Remember, these things are to what? Draw us near. God had done a great work and was doing a great work, but there was a greater work to be done. So now they're under a test to draw them closer under the Lord. Look, look in chapter number 19. Chapter 19 starts off where this is in 2 Chronicles. Jehoshaphat had partnered himself up with Ahab, which is a mistake, the problem. He did that through an alliance and marriage that created trouble. God encountered him on it. God was going to do a work. He says in verse 1, Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Jerusalem. The problem is Ahab died. And Jehu, the son of Hananiah the seer, went out to meet him, and he said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help or involve yourself with the wicked and love those who hate the Lord, that is, give your loyalty to them who hate the Lord, is the idea. Therefore, as a result of your actions and what you've done, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. So now God's putting him in a test to what? Draw him close to him. He'd gotten away doing his own thing, operating in the flesh. But God tells him, nevertheless, there still good things are found in you in that you have removed the wooden images from the land and have prepared your heart to do what? Seek God. See, that's one, man, that's a, that's a tender spot in the heart of the Lord. When a man gives himself to seek God, You can foul up in some areas like Jehoshaphat did, but God's heart is still tender toward you because you're tender toward him. When you render him faithful, he renders you faithful in the work he's given you. That's just the way God works. He always teaches us to seek him. Now, this is a word you want to recall and remember. Uh, Wrath was on him. But there was still a work of God within him, even though wrath was on him because the man sought God. And you see, it's those that seek God hear from God. Those that seek God do God's bidding, even though they might get a crack, like we talked about this morning, and the surface gets hot, but what's on the inside is not boiling, not getting it done. Well, the scripture says, verse 4, notice that word, so, so, as a result of this faithful encounter, 
God engaged him, encountered him, revealed where he was at, revealed what he wanted to do with him. So Jehoshaphat dwelt in Jerusalem and he went out against these other peoples and he did this and he appointed judges and he did all these good things the scriptures give us revelation on. And it says that he encouraged the people behave. This is the very end of chapter number 19, verse number 11 at the very last sentence. It says, behave courageously and the Lord will be with the good. Jehoshaphat has experienced this in himself. Now he is encouraging the nation to be courageous and do what is right. Now when that took place, notice what the next verse says in chapter 20. It happened after what? After this. That now comes some trouble. Now comes some tests. Here comes a trial. And what is it all designed to do? To prove him, to bring him close to him. And it worked. It worked right in step with what God was doing. Look in verse number 2. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they have, they are in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat did what? He feared. Natural. But what did he do next? He set himself to seek the Lord and he proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. That's the key. He was gripped with bad news. It caught him. But he immediately turned to the Lord. And he began to plead with God. Asked the people to fast. So that they could hear a word from God. And then you can just walk through the things that he reminded God of times past. Of what he did. What he promised. Who he is. This is a man well prepared in advance of what God had done historically. That God would do currently. And that's why he had his eyes fixed on the Lord. And this is just such a great example of us in our daily living. There's times we get those cracks. We get messed up. And we let our mess ups mess us up. And and instead of letting those mess ups become a message. What God does is just bring some trouble in our life. Bring some trials toward us. To say hey. You got your eyes off of me. Come back. Come back to me. And then you go through the test. And that's just to draw us closer. And to learn more from him. That hey he's dependable. I can rely upon him. He's faithful. He's good, he's gracious, he's merciful, he's kind, and he can do what nobody else can do. And he can do the impossible in and through us. And, and all we, the fight that we have, is the fight to believe him, to take him at his word. Let's just trust him, just walk with him. Do what he tells us to do. Send out the, the, the singers in front of the choir, I mean in front of the army. I mean, that, that takes faith. To put the singing folks that don't have any weapons to fight in the front with your warriors behind them because you have no anticipation when you get there you're going to have to fight the battle. And all they're doing is saying, God, you're merciful forever. And if he's merciful forever, that means he's merciful right now. And Lord, that's what we're waiting on, your mercies. And God worked it out. See, but they had to be in the right position to hear to listen so that they could see it in faith before they ever walked in it. Come on. 
And that's what I attempted to illustrate this morning, that when they, Jesus sent those disciples to that, to that town, and there was that donkey and that colt there, and those disciples got there, and Brother Shannon, they found it just as he said. And, uh, but they went because they were sent. And because they went where they were sent, they found it just as Jesus meant. And that's the same thing that applies to you and me today. It's just being in position to hear him, see what he's saying, trust him, believe what he says, and then operate in faith obedience to see it come to pass. I need to know who I am in him. I need to know who I serve. I need to know who he's sending me to, where he's sending me. And now I've got to go. Got to go with it. Amen. And sometimes what we see with the natural is going to create what? Fear. Like, I can't do this. This can't be done. And he always prefaces that with what? Do not be afraid nor dismayed. What? Get your eye on me. I'm bigger than all that. Amen? Come on. I'm bigger than those three armies that have come up against you. And you know how many people Jehoshaphat had in his army? If I'm not mistaken, if we was to calculate Joe Hassafat's army, uh, he had a pretty substantial amount of fighting warriors, uh, but he still sensed that no matter how many warriors we have, we don't have the power to defeat these three armies that come against us. So therefore, because God was at work, Joe Hassafat was what? Humble Amen. and lowly and said, God... We need you. No different than us doing God's business. That we need God to unveil to us. And his glory upon us. So that our children can see it. Is that no matter how skilled I am. I'm never skilled enough to fulfill the will of God. I got to have Jesus at work in me. Amen. By his presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So it, it goes back to just remembering. Hey we we. The agreement with the Lord is we deny ourselves, take up the cross, and what? And that's the same agreement He's made with Brother Shannon, that He's made with me, that He's made with Pam, that He's made with the rest of us. What God brings you through, if I'm not careful, I'll keep looking at you. And if I get my eyes on you, or you get your eyes on me, and we get our eyes off Him, I'm going to do like that laborer said, Wait a minute, wait a minute, I've gone through a lot more. I deserve a lot better than that man that only worked an hour. And you see, then that reveals to us, as Jesus said to them, is, is your eye bad? How you viewing this from within? Because remember, our eyes are just the point of sight. Our heart is the point of our vision, how we really see things. Amen. And he says, you seeing me as bad. Because I'm willing to give this man the same amount of money that I gave you, and he only worked for one hour, you should see it of how good and gracious I am. That I lavished that man with something good, and I gave you exactly what we agreed upon. Amen. So I've been faithful to my part. You are the only one who's been questioning my faithfulness. So there's something that's going on within you where the issue is at. And we can get that place. All we do then is confess and say, Lord, help me get my eyes back on you. Amen? Amen. Amen. I experienced something I've never experienced before. 
I've been all over the world, been in some pretty good places where they've shot fireworks and had some serious firework shows at some of the different installations and places that we've been in at different times where they celebrated big. But I've never in my life seen nor heard as many fireworks go off on any given occasion that I heard on the 4th of July in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Not a city, but individuals. Non-stop for hours. As far as you could see into the mountains, everywhere around you, it was constant. Sound like you was in a war zone. It was one, when I say big stuff, you know, those big cannon, boom, one after the other, everywhere you turn, nonstop. When they would do little fireworks, you know how we'd do a firework and throw it out and pop and do another one? They did the whole box caboodle at one time. Everywhere, that's all you heard. And then boom, boom. Then you heard those screelers. Nonstop for three hours. And they started popping them two days in advance. They was popping them in the middle of the day. I'm thinking, why in the world are you wasting money popping those fireworks? You can't see anything warming up. I've never in my life been, Stephen and I walked out, we was like, good night. This is absolutely crazy. I don't know if it was because uh, they hadn't been able to do it. I don't know, because out there you get, uh, they get a lot of wildfires, so they they shut things down. But they've gotten enough rain that they was able to do. So I don't know if it had something to do with that. But I mean, they pop fireworks nonstop. Is I mean, you, you there was times where you had to talk extremely loud to one another. And those mountains, they look like they're right up on top of you, but they may be. 30 miles away from you and all you could see everywhere you looked through that was just nothing but these big explosions going off. Oh, it was beautiful. It was crazy. I mean, it was the neatest thing that we've seen when it comes to anything like that. And the neat thing about it is that I only seen one firework stand. Hmm. Keith, that might be an opportunity to go make some money, huh? <laughs> Pam, like, no, brother Nick, don't put that in him. Don't put that in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, Craig. Don't fool with them. That's right. I'm sure they were somewhere. They had to get them from somewhere. They had to get them. So I don't know. I only saw one. That that's not to say there. Now here, they every corner. You know, you see them all over. But um. Oh yeah, that was. I'm, that's what I told when I, when I told Stanley. I said, "Do you do we realize how much money is going off right now? I mean, every second you could count thousands of dollars that was going off at one time, and I mean, it was a nonstop deal. It it, it was it was puzzling and so uh, intriguing all at the same time. Well. The more I, I began to think on it, I, I, I couldn't help but think, you know, that's people. And those people, as Miss Pat, Pat would sing that song, those people what? Need the Lord. 
need the Lord. That's people. Just hundreds and thousands and thousands of people that need the Lord. Remember what Jesus said? Those fields are what? They're ripe. They're ready. Just pray that the Lord of the harvest will thrust out his laborers into his work. Amen? Into his work. Father, we thank you tonight. We bless you. We thank you for a good day. Thank you for allowing me to get back with our folks. And um, we just want to thank you for bringing people uh, to us and sending out people from us and using us each. And we do pray that tonight, that you would unveil your work, your manifestation of your business to us and your glory in us, that our, that our little ones, our, our children, will see your work and your glory in and through our lives. Make it, make it clear, oh God. Use us to do impossible things. We want to be able to say like uh, King Jehoshaphat, oh, we don't have the power to do it. We don't know exactly what to do next, but our eyes are fixed upon you. We're thankful that we can rest in your mercy, we can wait upon it, and that we can rejoice and be glad before you. For you have framed this day, and we just want to say thank you. So thrust us out, use us, help us in the area that you have assigned us uh, to be that servant for you in. We know that it all matters how we serve, uh, how we minister, the mission you've given us, what we do as we serve, it all, it all makes a difference. So use us however you see fit. Thank you for giving us the tools uh, to see that this work can be done and paint this picture for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love y'all. Y'all have a good night. Y'all have a grand time with the, the grands on this uh, Wednesday. <laughs>